Lord, please, I do ask that you would speak to us this morning, Lord. Lord, that through your Spirit that dwells in us, Lord, that you would make your word known to us. Lord, that we would understand it, that we would comprehend it, Father, that it would transform us. Lord, and that we would be not only hearers of your word, but doers of your word as well. Lord, please, Lord, speak your words, not my words, Father. I pray that um, you would say to us what you need to say to us. Lord, give us ears to hear. Lord, may you be honored this morning through our worship, through this time in the Word, through our time of communion, through our time of fellowship, Father, that you would be honored in that. Lord, we are here to lift your name up. We're here to make your name known, Father. This is not about us. This is about you. So, Lord, give us that perspective. Lord, we thank you that we're your children. We thank you that you have spoken to us. And we thank you that you continue to care for us and guide us and direct us. We love you, Dad. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we are going to do a quick review because we're in the book of Nehemiah. And Nehemiah is a historical writing. It's a, it's a journal. It's a memoir. And you guys might say, you know what? He reviews, since we started Nehemiah, he reviews every week. And some of you might appreciate the review and it catches you up. And some of you might be like, well, I remember why is he reviewing. It's really boring that he reviews every week. But I remember when Nita and I were in Chicago, we had, she had actually put the TV out on the street one day when I came home because of the, it just distracted us. It wasn't evil. We, it just distracted us. But we got hooked to the, the, the show Lost because you could watch it online. So we had heard about it. It was in season three, four, however long it had been going. But we started watching Lost. But I remember as we'd sit down to watch Lost, the first thing it would say is, previously on Lost. Right? And it would give you what had happened and it would show these different pictures from the past episodes and it would kind of bring you up to speed so that as you started watching this present episode, you had all of that in mind and you could actually appreciate and understand what was happening and remember those details. And Nidia would get upset because if she started before me or I was getting a drink or whatever, I need, you know, to sit down to watch this together. And she'd already started that. And no, 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 go back, go back, go back. I want to see that. I need to review. I need to understand. So that's my bent. So that's how I'm going to teach. So that's what you guys get to hear. Like we need to, okay, where were we? What's going on? What's happened? All right. So quickly, previously in Nehemiah, okay? All right. The history, 141 years ago, what happened to the Jews in Jerusalem? Remember, they had not been faithful, and God allowed Nebuchadnezzar to come in. He took over the city, he destroyed the city, and he took the Jews out and back to Babylon. They were exiled to Babylon. They lost this place. They lost the city of Jerusalem. And so they were sent into exile, and they were there for a generation. And after being there for a generation, Cyrus made a decree and said the Jews could start to go back to Jerusalem. And so at the time of Nehemiah, that was 92 years ago that they had returned. And then they returned and began to rebuild the temple. They began to rebuild that structure where they could, where God's presence would, be, presence would be there with them, where they could worship Him. And at the time of Nehemiah, that's been built for 71 years. And then we remember as we read through Ezra, Ezra and Nehemiah are one book, and Ezra had been sent back 13 years before Nehemiah to, re, to instruct them in the law, in the law of God. 
This is how God wants us to live. This is what God wants us to demonstrate. And he walked them in that. He had been there for 13 years instructing them in God's word. And then we pick up with Nehemiah. And remember, Nehemiah heard this word. He heard this story from these Jews that had come before him in Persia. He was serving as a cupbearer to the king. And they tell him, and he asks, he says, well, tell me about the place and tell me about the people. I remember they responded and said, the people are in great shame and great trouble. And the place is broken down. It's destroyed. The gates are burned. And it breaks his heart. God stirs in him. The Holy Spirit moves in him. And it brings him to this place where he, where he mourns and where he weeps. And then for three to four months, he prays and he fasts and he seeks God. And as we looked at that, he remembered God. He remembered this great and awesome God who keeps promises. And he remembered his own part. He confessed his sin before God. How he was actually a part of it. Even though he had been living in Persia, how he had not been to Jerusalem, he was a part of these people and he was a part of this sin. And then he remembered his place. He's like, I'm your servant, God. I'm here to serve you. You have brought us out of slavery and I am here. You have redeemed me and I'm your servant. You've bought my life. And so as Josh taught, he went and he made this request before the king. This pagan king, he goes to him and he says, I need to return to Jerusalem. I need to go back to this place of my father's graves. I need to go back and rebuild. And amazingly, sovereignly, God works in the heart of the king and he allows him to return. And not only allowing him to return, but he gives him resources to return. And as he returns last week, what does he do? What did we go do? Inspect. Thank you. He inspected. He gets to Jerusalem. He's there three days. And then he goes out at night and he inspects the walls and he inspects the gates. He inspects the city. He wants to look into it. He wants to see it for himself. And we talked about to understand the brokenness of a people and a place that it requires authentic. It requires firsthand. And it requires a detailed inspection. And we talked about those different ways in which we saw that in this passage and how Nehemiah did that. And we talked about some, I was going to tell you guys a funny thing, the difference between day and night, even here in Lanark Park, and depending on the place and depending on the situation. And when we walked through the neighborhood and through the park, I was like, man, nothing happened. There was nothing going down. Like, it was pretty boring out there. Everything looked peaceful. We went to dinner on Sunday night. Javon and Melissa were at our house. The kids were down. We had our, our date night. And we get the text at dinner and says, just be careful when you come back. I think Lanark Street is closed. There's about six police cars right there in front of our apartment. And when we come back, the police cars are lying there and we go back around the back alley and, and there's the helicopter going right around our building and circling our building and circling our building. And I was like, it's very different in the day and in the night. It's a very different place, right? I told you guys, it's, we need to look into it completely. We need to look into the place extensively. And so after that inspection, Nehemiah is stirred to participate. He goes to the people, as we're going to see, and he stirs them to participate. He says, I'm going to participate. I want you to participate with me. Let's rebuild these walls together. Let's rebuild this place together. And so let me read. Go ahead and turn to Jer uh, Nehemiah chapter 2. We're just doing two verses, verse 17 and verse 18. Verse 17, it says, Then I said to them, 
You see the trouble we are in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem, that we may no longer suffer derision. And I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good, and also of the words that the king had spoken to me. And they said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. So the big idea, the main point that I want us to walk away with this passage from, is that when there's an ongoing brokenness, when there's this unaddressed brokenness in a place where God's people live, it discredits His name. So when there's ongoing brokenness in the place where God's people live, it discredits His name. So, the church must actively and resolutely participate in the work of rebuilding His name there. So when there's ongoing brokenness, okay, that's God's name and His part. When there's ongoing brokenness in that place, it discredits His name. The brokenness is, is connected to the display of God's name in that place, where God's people live, where His church is. And so we must respond, we must stand up, we must come together, and we must rebuild the wall, or we must rebuild His name in that place. So we're going to talk about two things. We're going to talk about His name and our part in His name, and then we're going to talk about His work and our part in His work. So how we participate in God's name being made known, and then how we participate in His work. All right, everybody with me? All right, so the first, His name and our part. So if you look at verse 17, he begins to communicate. Nehemiah begins to speak to the people. And it says, he says, I said to them. Who is the them that he's talking to? If you look back one verse in 16, he says this. If you look halfway through 16, he says, I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, and the rest who were to do the work. That's pretty much everybody, okay? That's all of the people that were there in Jerusalem, all of the Jews that were there in Jerusalem. He's including them all, all right? The priests, the nobles, the officials, and the rest who were to do the work. That's the them that he's talking to. He says, I communicated to them, I said to them, and what's interesting here is that everyone was included. Nehemiah comes back and he doesn't select a few of the people in Jerusalem that have the right skills or the right abilities or that have the right resources. He's like, we're all a part of this. I'm talking to everyone here. And for us to consider that in this neighborhood, we'd say we are all included. If you are sitting in this place, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you are a part of this body, then you are included in the work that God is doing here. You're included in making His name known here. There's no one that's discluded. It includes all of us. And so we have to have that perspective is that we are all a part of His name. So as He's talking to them, I'm talking to us. Okay? And then He tells them of the situation. He says, you see the trouble that we are in. He says, Jerusalem, it lies in ruins and its gates are burned. So this brokenness and this destruction, he had heard about it. Remember, he had heard about it before. The, the men had come to him and told him of it. This is the same brokenness and destruction as he comes to Jerusalem. He inspects and he sees it for himself firsthand. But then notice in here what he says. He says, you see the trouble that we are in. He communicated to them, and then he says, you see the trouble that we are in. He includes himself as a part of it. He heard about this. It broke his heart. He comes to Jerusalem. He inspects it himself. He sees it firsthand. And now instead of, let me tell you about the trouble you're in and how we're going to fix this, he says, look at the trouble that we are in. 
that I am a part of this, that this is my trouble, this is your trouble, that this is our situation that we have to deal with and we have to address. He doesn't say you there, he doesn't say them, he changes it to we. And I've been talking about, and we've been experiencing, and we've been expecting the brokenness in this neighborhood around Lanark Park. We've all started to understand it a little more and a little more. And what we have to do is go from just understanding it and going from being able to explain it to go to where, wow, this is the trouble that we are in. We are a part of this. We are here. God has placed us here. We are a part of the trouble and the brokenness in this place and with these people. We have to own that. It has to be a part of ourselves. We have to identify with the situation. So after giving the situation, then he gives them direction. He says, this is what we're going to do. Look at, as we go on in verse 17. He says, come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem. Again, he says, let us. Let's do this together. Come, let us together build this wall. It's my problem, it's your problem, it's our problem, so let's together build this wall. He doesn't say, let's give a handout to the people here. He doesn't say, these people need a hero, someone to come in and save the day. He doesn't say, let's go get an outside consultant to come in and tell us what should be done in this place to repair it. He says, let us build the wall together. And Nehemiah was there. He says, I'm going to work with you shoulder to shoulder. And we're all included. I'm not overseeing. I don't have a special place. He's like, we're here together to build this place together. Because it's our situation. And if you look, I just want to show something that was interesting as I was studying this. Nehemiah was there for the long haul. He had been, he had lived his entire life in Persia. He had now relocated to Jerusalem. He was there, he had experienced, he had seen and inspected the brokenness and the troubles they were in. But look, even as he was coming, he was intent on staying. He was coming, he was going to be a part of. If you go back to chapter 2, verse 8, it talks about the letter that he sent to Asaph, which is the keeper of the king's forest. He was sending him this letter to get wood, to get timber. And the timber was for the beams for the gates of the fortress of the temple and for the walls of the city. And then look at the third thing. He says, and for the house that I shall occupy. Nehemiah, on his way back, he says, I'm coming and I'm going to join the people and I'm a part of this and we're going to rebuild the temple, we're going to rebuild the walls and you know what? I'm going to build my own house. I'm going to settle down. I'm going to plant myself here. I'm going to be a part of it. In a sense, he's like, I'm living with you guys. I'm experiencing what you're experiencing. Your problems are my problems. Your issues are my issues. And are we willing, not just to work here, but are we willing to live here? And I want to be very clear when I say that. I don't mean that everybody has to relocate and live in these apartments with these 4,000 people right here on Owens Mouth and Lanark. But when we say, are we willing to work here? Well, yes, we're willing to minister here. We're willing to care for the people. But are you willing to live here? Are you willing to actually share parts of your life? Are you willing to commit to being in this place and being with these people? It doesn't mean you have to physically live in the place, but I can see, like Trent and Bonnie, they have a key to our front gate. They're in this place. When I walk in the park and I say I'm going to coach, he's like, what about the tall white guy, the tall, good-looking white guy? I said, well, that's me. No, no, the, the taller one. Like, oh, oh. Yeah, he's going to coach too. Like, he's known in the park because they have, in a sense, invested part of their lives. They're living their life there. Even though they don't live in this neighborhood and live on Owens Mouth or live on Lanark, they're living, they're sharing their lives, they're, they're investing in this community. 
and their problems at the park are the same problems that the people in this neighborhood experience when they go to teams and when they when the picture sessions aren't on time and when there's not enough refs and when it's all discombobulated and there's no communication and, and you get frustrated and the refs don't know the rules and they're out there with the people they're, they're living with them and so I want to be very clear we have to be willing not just to work here but also willing to, to live here and so that's the direction he says come let us build the wall of Jerusalem and then he moves from direction to the motivation he says so that and I don't like the ESV so we're not reading that part the NASB is a little more literal and the, NAS, the, the ESV that we have it says that we may no longer suffer derision and the way that it sounds is like it's about us or it's about that we wouldn't have this derision that we wouldn't experience that when you look at it more literally it says so that we and the NASB translates it this way so that we will no longer be a reproach it's not that we would be ridiculed or we would be made fun of it's that we would be the cause of ridicule that we would be the cause of God's name being made fun of or looked at or scorned that we're not building the motivation of building the motivation of living here and working here is not so that we wouldn't experience something it's so that God's name wouldn't be reproached and that reproach it means someone or something that causes a loss a shame or a loss of reputation we would be the cause of God's shame or that we would be the cause of his reputation let's do this so that we're not the cause of God's shame and that's hard to hear it's hard to hear to think that when we're reading this that those Jews and that we here in this neighborhood that we could be the cause of God's shame that we could be the cause of the loss of his reputation but that's the focus of Nehemiah that's why he was coming back so that God's name could be made known in this place so that God's name would dwell there remember as I talked about sort of the summary the thesis of Nehemiah in chapter 1 verse 8 and 9 it says in verse 8 remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses saying if you are unfaithful I will scatter you among the peoples and then verse 9 this is the focus of Nehemiah but if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven from there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen and make my name dwell there Nehemiah is about saying if you will return to me then I will gather you and bring you together in this place and if you obey my commandments then I will make my name dwell there those are the agreements that's the promise that God has made if you return I'll gather you I'll bring you to this place and if you obey me I'll make my name dwell there I'll make my name known there and God has gathered his people here in Jerusalem they're there he's brought them back but yet his name was not dwelling there in a sense his reputation was not known there because they were still disobedient they had sent back Ezra no we've got to teach them the law they've got to walk according to the law they've got to be able to demonstrate God and he's like no my name still doesn't dwell here I've gathered you but my name is not dwelling and the walls were originally broken the city was originally destroyed why? because they weren't faithful they were faithless they were faithless and God took them out the city was destroyed and he sent them in exile at this point they're back he's gathered them together they've returned to him but it's still broken and destroyed 
the walls are still down. It's been how many years did we say? 92 years since they've returned and the walls are still broken. They still are not walking in obedience. They're still not obeying His commands. And His name, His reputation is not being made known there. And we have to ask ourselves, they were the cause of disgrace. They were the cause of shame. They were the cause of the loss of reputation of God's name. And we have to ask ourselves, as we live here, as we have our body, our church, is here in this neighborhood, are we the cause? Are we a part of that? Do we realize that? Do we see that? And you might say, well, I'm not directly that. Well, Nehemiah wasn't directly part of it either. But we talked about that. He understood the sins of his people. He understood and he confessed that he was a part of it. And if we identify with this neighborhood, then we understand that we're a part of the cause of the loss of God's reputation in this place. And so are we keeping his commandments? They weren't keeping his commandments. For us, we can summarize that. Are we loving God and are we loving people? Are we loving God? Are we gospel-driven? Are we loving each other? Are we church-centered? And then are we loving people in this place? Are we neighbor-focused? Those are the things we have to be about. That's what we have to do. That's how we're obedient to God. That's how we obey His commandments. And if we do that, then He will make His name dwell amongst us. He'll make His name dwell in this place. His reputation will be known. He won't lose His reputation. He won't be shamed. But we have to realize that we can be the cause of His name being shamed. And our job is to be obedient. Our job is to love Him. And our job is to love the people in this place, in this neighborhood. And then He'll make His names known. So God wants us to be faithful. They were faithless. He wanted them to be faithful. This is what Nehemiah is telling them. And we, the same way, need to be faithful. And that always involves action. And I believe that God wants us to be faithful in this place, in Lanark Park, in this neighborhood. And so that's God... His name, and that's our part. That's how we play a part in God's name here in this place. But then now, what about His work? And what's our part? What is God doing? And how do we participate in that? Alright, this is verse 18. If you look at verse 18, he says, And I told them, Nehemiah again, talking to everyone there, I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good, and also the words that the king had spoken to me. Nehemiah tells them about his interaction with the king. He tells them about what we read about in, in the beginning of chapter 2 that Josh preached about. This is what happened. God moved in me. I saw the destruction of the place and I saw the trouble of the people and God moved my heart and I went to the king and I made this request to return and this is how the king responded. This is how the pagan king, this non-Israelite king, allowed me to return to Jerusalem and allowed me to come here to rebuild this place and these people with you. That is God. God is sovereignly working. God is completely in this. You can't deny it. All he did was go before him with a sad face. And the king asked him what he wanted. Nehemiah was faithful and God was sovereign to work and to establish his reputation. And I think about that for us and how God has done amazing things amongst us as I think through what has happened in the last two years. And sometimes it gets overlooked. Sometimes we get busy. Sometimes we don't think about what God has done and we don't step back and see how His hand is on us for good. His favor is on us. And I think about, and this morning as I walked in and as I looked at Sergio's kids and I met his three kids for the first time today. 
That is the hand of God that he would bring him and his children to this place of reconciliation, that Sergio would be able to have a Sunday to be with his children and bring them here and to be a part of our body. That it is the sovereign hand of God that Renee and Nima knocked on his door when we're doing this survey, and then he answers, and he's in this terrible place, and he has all of these things prepared and what he's about to do, and he is receptive to hear the gospel, and he is broken, and days later, he's there with Ernesto in my living room, and he's praying to receive Christ. And you guys have watched, you guys have, have seen the hand of God on him as he has been transformed, as he has walked with us. And we've just been able to be a part. We've been able to look back and say, look at the hand of God. And as he has gone through this, we all know we have prayed about the situation with his family, praying for reconciliation, praying for him to have the ability to be with his children. And court date after court date after court date, the response was no, 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 no. There was no discussion. The response was no. And when they went this Thursday, in an amazing way, the hand of God had been on his wife's heart and on the judge's heart, and the response was yes, 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 yes. And his kids are here today. And he has the opportunity to be with them and be in relationship with them. And we have the opportunity now to walk with them. That is the hand of God. We have to see that. We have to realize what God has done, that the hand of God is on us for our good, for our favor, that He is sovereign, that He is working that out, that we did not do anything. We knocked on a door and said hello and asked to fill out a survey. God did all of that. God did everything. And that we just get to participate in what He's already doing. He wants His name to be made known here, and we just have to be obedient. We just have to love Him and love others. I was talking with Andy this past week. He's at my house, and we're having dinner, and he's telling me about, it was a year ago, it was a year ago this Sunday, he had seen Larry the week, during the week, he had met Larry for the first time, and then that Sunday we were having the Lord's Supper, and he was at Vallarta, and Bonnie walks by, and he'd been talking to Bonnie this morning, she's like, you know, sometimes I say something, sometimes I don't, but I felt like I was in the store, I'm like, why, I need to talk to that man standing out there, and she walked up, and she told Andy, said, hey, if you guys, you want to join us, we're going to have a meal, we're having a service, and we're going to have a meal following, and you can come, and Andy walked in, and since that time, Andy's been walking in, and walking in, and walking in, and now Andy is a part of our body, Andy is a part of our family, Andy is a son of the King. And we were there and we watched his baptism and we're watching being transformed and he's progressing through God making him new. God is restoring him and he's restoring our relationship together. We have to be able to look at that and understand that God's hand is here, that God's hand is working and that we wouldn't miss those things, that he is sovereignly making his name known here. So do we trust that and do we believe that? that God will make His name and His reputation known here if we are faithful to love Him and if we are faithful to love our neighbors. He will make His name known here. It's as simple as that. But we have to be willing. And so that's what He is doing. But again, what's our part? What does that mean for us? God is going to do that. What does it mean for us to be a part of that? And I would tell you that our participation must be active and it has to be resolute. To be active, as you look at this in chapter, verse 18, it says, And they said, Let us rise up and build. They said, Rise up. Let us rise up. Let us stand firm. And let us move forward with what you're talking about doing. Let us move forward with rebuilding this wall. 
not sit back and wait, not sit back and inwardly focus on ourselves. We could be a church here and we could love God and we could be about the church and we could just be church-centered, but God calls us to also be neighbor-focused. He's like, I don't want you to sit back, I want you to stand up, and I want you to be active. I want you to respond. I want you to be a doer of the Word. Their focus was to rise up and to rebuild the wall. What is it that we're to rise up and build? What is it that God is calling us to do? How is it that God is calling us to engage? And how is it that He wants us to participate in this neighborhood and in loving these people and loving this place? And you guys know that's something since the late summer we've been praying through as we considered that. And Lord, how do you want us to be neighbor-focused? And it's something that next week, hopefully we're going to really be able to share with you guys uh, the vision of that and what it looks like and what we want to focus on and how we're going to move together collectively as a church and how, how we're going to do that together so that God's name would be made known here. How is it that we're going to be neighbor-focused? How is it that we're going to rebuild? What part of the wall? What, what section? How, what are we going to focus on? And so that's coming next week. But really we want to look for the opportunity to engage with our neighbors, to love our neighbors, and then allow God to make His name known here. So more to come next week on that. So our participation has to be active. We'll talk about that action next week. But then not only active, it also has to be, and I think this is the harder part, it has to be resolute. We have to be committed to it. It has to be ongoing. It has to be something that we endure through. It can't be that we get excited and for a season or for a few weeks or for a month, we do something and we're fired up about it. It has to be consistent. It has to be over the long haul. We must be committed to seeing God's name made famous in this place. And that idea of resolute, it's that whatever it takes, whatever the risks, we're going to continue to be committed to seeing that happen. We're going to continue to be committed to loving God and loving this neighborhood. And then God will make His name known here. Whatever it takes, despite the risks. And the risks are that it won't happen very quickly. I promise you, it will not happen quickly. We won't be done with this in a month. It won't end. It will be ongoing. And I promise you that there will be criticism from outside the church, inside the church, within your heart. We're going to have criticism from every place. It will come. We'll talk about that next week. As Nehemiah comes back to inspect and as he shares this vision, what he had criticism on the front end, he has criticism on the back end. There's going to be criticism. There's going to be people that say, what are you doing? That's not going to work and that's not really making an impact and what are you doing there? And this is not the right way to go about it. There's going to be criticism. And I will tell you that your heart will be broken. As you start to identify with and as you start to understand this place and it starts to become your trouble, your situation that you are in, your heart's going to break. There's going to be things you see that you feel hopeless about and that you can't change and that you can't do anything about and you're going to be a part of it and you're going to go to bed at night thinking about it. And you're going to wish, why can't I just have my own little focus, my own little life, my own little things of what's going on? But God wants us to have a bigger perspective. And it's going to break your heart. And then your neighbors that your heart is broken for, they're going to, they're going to break your trust. And a lot of times they're going to complain about the way that you're loving them. You're going to be broken. You're going to be praying over them. You're going to be caring over them. You're going to be spending yourself for them. And they're going to get upset at you. And they're going to complain about you. And they're going to criticize you as you try and do that. As you try and love them. That's going to happen. You need to be prepared for that. It happens repeatedly. That's not the way that I want. That's not the thing that I want. That's not how you can help me best. 
And then there will be no resolution in some situations. We're going to continue, we're going to continue, and sometimes we're not going to see anything happen. Sometimes we're going to see like it was, what was the point? This is, we've been hoping for this, we've been praying for this, with this individual, for this relationship, for this opportunity. We'll continue on, we're loving, we're serving, we're doing this, and it seems like nothing changes. And sometimes it seems like the situation is over, and it's like, what was that for? What, well, how, God, where are you? How is your name being made known in this? And I would share with you guys for all these things that it's, it won't happen quickly. There'll be criticism inside and out. Your heart will be broken. They'll break your trust. They'll complain about how you're loving them. And then sometimes there won't be resolution. As I thought through a situation, I couldn't help but think about Ty and Lisa. Every piece of that applies to the situation. It applies to our relationship that we had with Ty and Lisa. I remember sitting with Lisa as she came in off the street high from meth and Ty is standing beside her and finding out that she's four months pregnant. And I remember finding out a month later that Ty was pregnant too. And I remember my heart just breaking for them and as we got to know them and as we tried to just have a relationship with them and hearing their perspectives and hearing about their lives and hearing about how they saw God and how they saw this neighborhood, how they saw us. It broke my heart. And we tried to walk with them, we tried to care with them, we shared the truth with them. As we did that, we got a lot of criticism. Everybody had a different idea of how we should have done it, what we should have done, what it should look like. And we made mistakes, but we tried our best to love them and to share the truth. I remember walking back in our, in our parking lot, going back to our car, and having this amazing conversation where I was able to share the gospel in a very concrete, very clear way. And then both just saying, okay and no response. Share with them so many times, in so many ways. And we sat down with them, it took so much time. And we walked with them, and walked with them, and caring for them, and as a baby's born, and as the next baby's born, and you're trying to love on them, and they're pissed, they're complaining. I guess I can say that in church. They're, they're pissed about what we did and what we didn't do. What we didn't do, and then what we did, how we did it. And they're posting things on Facebook, trashing our name, trashing us, and trashing these crazy white people and these people in this church, and they don't love Jesus and all these things, and they're saying all these negative things about us, and there's no resolution. We can look at that situation. They both had, amazingly, that there were two young girls, teenagers, that were addicted to meth, that at this point have healthy babies. That their babies came to term, their babies were born, their babies have no issues. They both came off the drugs. They both were able to deliver these babies. But last week, Ty left and went back to Atlanta. She's living with her mom. Lisa went back to uh, Victorville. She's in Victorville with family. They don't appreciate us. They don't know God. And you're like, well, what's the point? What happened? What was that for? God, what are you doing? And we have to trust God. Are we willing to trust Him and continue to be faithful and continue to love Him and continue to love our neighbors even when we don't see what God is doing right now? Trusting that He's sovereign. Trusting as we talk about in Nehemiah that He is a God that keeps His promises. And He says, if you're faithful to me, I'll be faithful to make my name known. If you're faithful to me, if you return to me, I'll gather you and I'll make you a people. And if you do that and you obey my commands, then I'll be faithful. I'll make my name dwell amongst you. And we have to continue and continue and continue. We have to be resolute. We have to strengthen our hands for this work and be prepared to endure in it. 
We have to be willing to love the sinner and care for the outcast, to care for the orphan, the widow, the immigrant, and the poor, to care for this neighborhood. We have to be willing to do that despite the risks, despite the difficulty, despite sometimes the success that we see. Because it's not about us, it's about God, and it's about His name. And for His name to dwell, for His name to be known, then we need to love Him, and we need to love this neighborhood. And so again, the big idea is that ongoing brokenness, if we allow this continued brokenness in the place where God's people live, it discredits His name. So the church must actively and resolutely participate in the work of rebuilding His name here. Let me make it personal for us. If unchanged brokenness and situations continue to exist in Lanark Park, where God has gathered living stones, God's name will be shamed. So we must be neighbor-focused and join in what God is doing here for His reputation and His glory. I think that's the truth. I see that here in Nehemiah. That is God's word to us. That's a part of why we're here. We're here to be church-centered. We're here to be neighbor-focused. We can't lose our perspective. We have to continue to love God and love this neighborhood. We don't want to be the reason that... We don't want to be the cause. We don't want to be the reproach of God's name. He says, I want you to participate. I want you to stand. I want you to rise up. I want you to come and let's build the wall together. Let's be about God's name together. That His name would dwell here. And so I want us just to respond in a time of prayer. And as we do that, I'm asking you to consider and see the trouble that you are in here in Lanark. Let's pray about the trouble that we're in in Lanark. And I'm directing you to come and let us rebuild God's name in this neighborhood so that we might not so that we might no longer be the cause of dishonor of God's name here in this place as we pray let's remember how the hand of God has been upon us for good how we've had his favor and then let's commit to actively engage in this neighborhood and the lives of our neighbor and for us to come before God and fully commit to that fully commit to be active and to be resolute about that. Father God, thank you that you are God. Lord, that we're not. Lord, thank you that you are sovereign and, and we're not. Lord, thank you that you have sought us, that you have pursued us, that you have loved us. Lord, that you have graciously invited us to participate. That we can know you, Father, that you have called us your sons and daughters. Lord, and you just invite us to participate, invite us to be a part. Lord, thank you that we get to be a part of your name and that we get to be a part of your work. Lord, that we get to participate in what you are doing, Lord, that you have called us into that. Lord, it is not a burden. Lord, it is a privilege. Lord, I pray that even considering this, Father, and studying through Nehemiah, Father, it would bring us not to a place of being overwhelmed, but a place of joy. 
that to participate, that to be a part, that to experience you, to see your name dwell here, Father, that we just simply love you in response to how you've loved us. Lord, it's not ours to complete. It's not our job to do, Lord, that we will do nothing here without your power, without your strength, without your hand being upon us, Father. You are the one that changes hearts. Lord, you are the one that will rebuild and that will restore. Lord, and we get the privilege to participate, to be a part of that. Lord, you are sovereign. You will make your name known. And Lord, thank you that you invite us into that. Lord, I pray that you would just move that in our hearts, Lord, that we would respond in love to you as you have loved us, Father. And even now as we take communion, Father, that we would think about that, how you have invited us into your family, Father. How you made the way for us, how your son came for us, how you walked amongst us, how you identified with us, how you experienced what we've experienced, and our problem became your problem, Father. Our situation became your situation, Father. And you gave yourself for us, and you went to the cross in our place. Lord, thank you that you are our advocate, that you would stand in our place. Lord, that you would live the life that we should have lived, and you died the death that we deserve, Father. And through that, we can stand and you, we can stand as your son. We can stand in righteousness. And that you accept us, Father. So Lord, as we do that right now, as we take the bread and the cup, Lord, I just pray that you would remind us of that. Lord, you would remind us of what you have done. Lord, what you have completed, what is finished, and what you've invited us into. And then also what you are doing right now amongst us, Father. And then, Lord, we look forward to what you will do one day when we celebrate, when you make all things new, when we're there before your face, when you're there completely in your presence. And we can be with you. Thank you that you have invited us to participate. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.